Hello and welcome to My Camino, the podcast. I'm Dan Mullins and it's great to have your company. This is a podcast about the Camino de Santiago, a series of ancient pilgrimages across Europe. The Camino finishes in the Spanish city of Santiago de Compostela, a beautiful place, full of history, joy, tears and wonderment, full of expectation and full of, what on earth have I done? I made it. What now? And I didn't want it to end. A pilgrimage is walked by pilgrims. We're trying to leave behind the trappings of everyday life, those things that weigh us down. And I've said before, a pilgrim is a walker, a talker, a thinker, a sharer, and a carer. So we walk and talk and think and share and care. I can't help thinking we could do with more of all of those things in our daily lives. And the thing that separates our pilgrimage from our day-to-day lives is the journey, the leaving, arriving, and travelling. The adventure, if you like. It was John Muir, the Scottish-American author and philosopher, who said more than a century ago, and into the forest I go, to lose my mind and find my soul. My guest this week is an author and pilgrim, and most importantly, C.W. Lockhart is a storyteller. Her book, Blanket of Stars, Through Hiking, the Camino de Santiago, is magic. Stories are what make us whole. They're our legacy, our history. And they provide the opportunity to paint the picture of the journey, enabling us to go into a forest, to lose our mind and find our soul. C.W. Lockhart, author and pilgrim, is on the line from Japan. Hola, pilgrim. Hola. I'm going to start by embarrassing you. The book, oh. the book is brilliant. It really oh, is fantastic. So, so just explain to my listeners, what do you mean by through hiking? Um, well, through hiking is, I guess I, I use the term loosely. I think some might argue on its definition. But as I understand through hiking, it is beginning in one place and uh, finishing in the other, all in one season. So uh, through hiking, the Camino de Santiago would be completing all the stages in in one summer or one spring or um, something of that nature. Right. I think it's I think it's used more often um, uh, with the Appalachians and um, the PCT Trail um, on the on the west coast of of the America. So <laughs> that's the, that's the Pacific Coast Trail, right? Yeah, the Pacific Crest Trail, right? Yeah, and that's the massive one where you have to take your own food and and you're there for months. And there's no wine at night. Oh. <laughs> You know, that's funny that you should make me laugh like that, because in reading the book, you don't take yourself too seriously, do you? No, no, that's dangerous. (laughs) Is that something pilgrims should be aware of, do you think? Not taking oneself too seriously? I think so. Well, you know, we all come there with so many different uh, motivations. I guess it depends why you are walking. I'm, I'm such a flawed little being that uh, I've learned a long time ago not to be too serious about things. I, I think it's some um, expectations management is, is, a, is a good uh, watch guide. I've met many pilgrims along the way who feel a little disappointed or they expected more from their bodies or, or from the experience. And so sometimes you have to table those expectations and just 
open up and enjoy a long, beautiful hike. Yeah, and there are so many things that you can learn about yourself too by opening up. And I won't give away too much of the book because we want people to go and buy it. Oh, thank you. But you were an agoraphobic. Yes. Now, now, when I say we open up to new experiences, something like the Camino de Santiago must have been an enormous challenge for you. How did you go about conquering that? One step, you know, one step at a time, and and a lot of uh, a lot of personal coaching, you know, every every day, getting myself up, and I had this silly little mantra in my head, and I would get up in the morning and say, "I will greet each pilgrim with love and kindness in my heart," you know, <laughs> and it's silly, but you know, you say it enough times, and you and you and you mean it. Because one of the problems I had uh, had with agoraphobia is I'd become a shut-in, and it, I really didn't want to be a shut-in, you know. But I was afraid, and so to to get over my own, I don't know, self-imposed obstacles, I had to have some little little cue, some little message I gave myself. And and when I got afraid on the trail, something that I would tell myself, some reason to be there, and you know, it works. <laughs> yeah. And, and tell us about the light bulb moment when you said to yourself, despite my fears, I'm going to go. Oh, you know, it was, uh, I had watched and it's silly. I, I again, I, I say in the book that I wish I would have a grander story to tell. You know, I wish, I wish a, a, a dead grandmother would have visited me in the dream or, or, you know, some goddess would have come to me during my yoga class and told me, walk the Camino, you know, something. <laughs> uh, but I, <laughs> I, I watched a movie, you know, <laughs> the way. And I watched it once. I watched it twice. I bought it. I watched it a third time. And then I started doing some research because if, if nothing else, I'm, that's, I guess, the one benefit of being a, a shut-in is you do a lot of reading and a lot of research to fill, to fill the time. And uh, I just started to wonder. And I, I'd actually, you know, said to, said to, you know, from the sofa, my, my comfortable spot on the sofa, I said, I said aloud, I, I wonder if I could do this. And I was met with doubt, you know, from people that I've lived with, from people that once knew me as a very tough, you know, very strong woman. I'm, you know, retired from the military and I could do this. And and there was doubt. And there was, well, what about this? Well, what about, what about, you know, your vertigo? What about your migraines? What about your phobia? And then I thought, wow, what about them? And it, it, I tell you, it, it was like instantaneous. And then I was online at, at a uh, outdoor recreation store, buying my backpack, <laughs> and away you went. I yes, yes. It was just I just knew it was like once it was there, you know. Once that seed was inside of me, it just kept growing, and the pressure of it got stronger and stronger. And I had to give it space. There was it wasn't it wasn't an option anymore. So that's such a beautiful image that the seed grew inside you. Because I love that you must have felt that so deeply and that deep connection, you just had to fulfill it. I did, yeah. You say exactly. The, yeah, yeah, how wonderful. And you say the Camino Frances provides a scenic backdrop to ponder midlife crises and chronic illness and empty nest, marital woes, military service and post-traumatic stress, 
rage and grief, heartbreak and fear, and the way forward. So how has it manifested a way forward for you now? Oh, gosh. You know, I can't, I can't even begin to tell you the windfall of blessings um, that have come to me just from that very day, that very day that I decided it's like, I don't know, the stars aligned, the stars aligned and, and, and I walked beneath them. I mean, um, I just starting the hike, uh, opened me to look outside, you know, to get off my sofa and look outside of life as it, as it was happening all around me. Um, and I ended up just even before the Camino, I became very brave and I applied for a job that really is, is my dream job. And, um, I wouldn't have had the courage, I think, you know, it was, uh, I don't know, just, just getting out hiking every day while I was training for the Camino gave me confidence that, that I had completely lost. And so I ended up applying and landing my dream job, um, teaching, uh, as, as a traveling faculty member and, and I'm still doing it, you know, five years later and still, uh, speaking with people about the Camino. Um, I meet a lot of people that tell me how inspired they are. Many of my students, um, read my book and many of my students have, uh, followed me and, and, uh, created a Camino experience of their own, which is wonderful because, uh, my students are predominantly, uh, military or prior military students and many of them suffer some of the very same issues that uh, I did. So tell us about your Camino then, uh, the the nuts and bolts. When did you walk and how long did it take you? Where did you start, etc.? Et uh, well, I started in June and um, the original, June of 2014, I'm sorry, uh, just... Uh, a day after my son graduated from high school, actually, I flew the I flew the empty nest and and got on to got got right to business. Um, <laughs> I was the the original intent was to start in Saint Jean Pied Port, but um, you know life isn't doesn't always work out exactly as you planned it. And I started in Pamplona, which ended up being perfect for me. Why? Did, and, uh, why? What happened that made, that you had to change your plans? Well, I had a really difficult. Uh, part of it is because of the agoraphobia. I had a really difficult journey getting from Seattle um, to Saint Jean Port. I had flown to Madrid, of course, and and got to Madrid, and the airport was so terribly overwhelming that I had a, you know a complete panic attack and, and at one point couldn't leave the ladies' bathroom. And and by the time I worked the courage uh, to get to the train that was supposed to take me to Pamplona for the night, um, I had missed the last train <laughs> and it, because it was so out of plan. And when you're, you know, when you have, when, when you suffer uh, phobias or, or I think mental illness of, of all sorts, um, you one of your strategies to survive is is just copious planning, and so now my plan was derailed, and I couldn't get to where I needed to be, and I didn't know what to do, and I wasn't staying in Madrid just wasn't an option. I don't know why. Now it seems very reasonable, but at the time it wasn't an option, and so I actually drove myself from Pamplona or from Madrid Airport to Pamplona, and then there was more catastrophes. So by the time I woke up 
in the morning in Pamplona, I said, enough, let's start. And, and so I did. And so how long did you walk then? How long did you take to get to Santiago? About 30, I want to say 32 days, 33 days. I had a, a, a rest day in Burgos, but I, I walked, I walked every day. Um, yeah, give 30, 30, 31 or 32 days given with, with my rest break. What did you enjoy most about being a pilgrim? Um, oh gosh, wow, that should be an easy question, shouldn't it? Um, that, the quiet space in between, of course, that was that was probably the most valuable. But I loved the people I met. Yeah. It's like the whole world comes together. It's the only place I can think of where you can go on a vacation or, you know, a hike and meet and meet people from, you know, 11, 12, 15 different countries. They, they're all there. You know, everybody is is there. So it's it's like visiting you know, Korea and Australia, and, you know, it's amazing. All the languages and, and the people and their stories, yeah, the stories, oh gosh, yeah. And are you still in contact with some of those people that you met? Oh, yes, yes. Um, wonderful. One of the young ladies in my story, um, Gretchen, uh, in fact, I just uh, responded to an email to her the other day. She's um, on her senior year at Berkeley, and we actually spent Thanksgiving together in Barcelona this year. It's a place she'd always wanted to go to, and I'm her Camino mother, so uh, it was nice to um, to be with her on Thanksgiving How and see her again. Yeah, how fantastic. So let's go back to your book. It's actually very funny. (laughs) Thank you. Do pilgrims need to have a sense of humor? I think it would help. I really think it would help. (laughs) (laughs) Because, you know, such odd things happen, things that you wouldn't do in your normal life. You know, I had... I had, uh, you know, come to a part in my life where I was very accustomed uh, to some of the finer things in life and to strip away all of that and shower in a stall with a man next, you know, you see a man's feet in the stall next to you. <laughs> it's got to be funny, you know, because it is. <laughs> I don't know. It can't be anything but, I think, or or it might drive you crazy. You have to let a lot of that go and just laugh about things. Yeah, because, you know, I've, I've got here now as my next series of questions that I wanted to throw a couple of curveballs at you to see how you play oh. them. Uh, what, right. Okay, what did you make of snorers? Oh, uh, <laughs> snores. I don't know. I, I love snores. This is why I love them. I love snores because they give me the opportunity to walk before the sun rises. <laughs> 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 Typically, I, I am a late riser. You know, I, I get up when I'm done sleeping. That was the gift I gave myself after some, so long in the military. Um, and so for me, it's very hard to get out of bed. But I would get just out of my mind with the snoring sometimes. I would just, you know, honestly angry. So I would get up and then and then I would just get my stuff as quietly as I could, you know, and, and get outside and then truly be thankful because because of the snoring, I got this space on the trail, this quiet, beautiful space and watch sunrises, which isn't really a normal part of uh 
a late riser's life, you know. So the snores give me sunrises. So I guess I love them. I, you know, one of the, the, the next question was, what about men and women sharing showers and amenities? Oh, yeah. What about lining up for showers, beds and basics? Well, that, uh, because of my time in the military, um, that doesn't shock me at all, you know, uh, as far as as being, you know, I can do that. But I, I, I am never, I was surprised by some cultural clashes. I think that might be the best way to put it with, with manners. I think there's things that you don't do next to someone else. And there's especially some things you don't do next to a lady. I don't know. I think, I don't know. I've never spent a lot of time in a men's locker room, but I imagine there are, there are norms, cultural norms in a man's locker room that wouldn't, wouldn't transfer to a lady's locker room. And so when you put men and women together, maybe there's certain things that (laughs) <laughs> that shouldn't happen. <laughs> I don't know. I don't want to say anything too too racy on your show, but uh, I I saw a lot more than I expected to see on the Camino, and it wasn't always grand vistas. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. So so just I'm going to take a step back. Well, actually, I'm going to just leap off my page here for a minute. Okay. You, you need, you would have come from a very disciplined, um, life, uh, a military life. So, yes. so everything is very, I suppose, cut and dry and black and white. Um, right. But, but right. the Camino and the, and the pilgrimage, were you able to step outside that necessity? Because going with the flow, if you kind of accept that phrasing, you know, in being kind of open to what the Camino has to offer is a great part of what it offers. Were you able yes. to experience that? Were you able to kind of let go of the, a little bit of that rigidity? Oh, ab- absolutely. And and my first test to letting go was was my situation in Pamplona. You know, I had planned this. I mean, I scripted this Camino. I didn't plan where I was going to stay um, because I wanted to try to be very loose with with that situation and walk as long as my body would take me and these sort of things. But in my head, you know, I, I was holding my precious Briarly guide and, and the stages were there. It was so hard for me to break those stages because I, I have rules. Uh, but I was able to let, let those go, certainly. Um, I still washed my clothes every night. And, uh, you know, I know some pilgrims don't launder their what they wear. I had this little routine that I couldn't break because I couldn't rest. I would, I would get to my albergue or wherever I was staying for the night. Um, you know, jump in the shower with my clothes on, uh, wash my clothes while I was wearing them, strip them off, wash the insides, wring them out, hang them up. And then once all of these chores were done, then I could, could relax. But I, I, I had to wash my socks, my clothes, like everything every day. And that's, I know that that's left over from my military life. And then also sometimes I would catch myself walking in cadence, especially if I, or, or falling into step. If I was walking with someone, I would start singing, you know, in my head, I start, you know, left, right, left, left, right, left. And then I would get upset if they were off step. So I would like do this change step really fast and get in step with whoever I was walking with. So that was hard to break. Um, That's really um, funny. That's really funny. Because even if, if you are on base 
even if you are if you are walking with somebody else, you're pretty much all the time in step, aren't you? Yes, yes. And I fall into step. Uh, You know, when I walk with my spouse anywhere, I always fall into step with him. Uh, And and that's difficult for me because, of course, I'm much shorter than my than my husband. And so um, I end up overstepping. And and this is what was causing my blisters, you know, the need to fall into step and and hike with people younger than me, taller than me, you know, and and Predominantly, I, I don't know, and I'm, I'm guessing because of my military background, I often walked with other men. I'm, you know, it was fun, and so I would always try to match their pace and end up, you know, blistering. And <laughs> it was a lot of learning, so much learning. <laughs> yeah, and and a lot of letting go. Yes, yeah. that, that's the. And I've let go. I've let go so much since then. There's so yeah. many habits I haven't, I haven't picked back up since the Camino. Yeah, I, I whenever I read books, I, I used to used to use a highlighter and yellow sticky notes, but now I read on a Kindle. I use a, <laughs> I use the Kindle's highlighter. And you say in the preface of the book that you were able to explore the glory of Mother Nature and the intrinsic spirituality of peregrination. I love this. And all you pilgrims who listen to the podcast often, listen to this beautiful line. You say, you found yourself transcending from a human being on a spiritual quest to a spiritual being on a human quest. I just think that's yeah. absolutely beautiful. <laughs> then let me ask you, how? How did you trans- I, transcend from a human being on a spiritual quest to a spiritual being on a human quest? Oh, hmm. That's the secret to life, isn't it? If we could figure out how. I think part part of this, part of this success, because I see it as a huge success, is uh, we become minimalists. All of all of the noise, everything that competes for our daily life, you know, even you know, down to the simplest competitions of what socks shall I wear today, it disappears because I had two choices. I I only had you know I had a skirt or I had leggings. I had two shirts. I could pick I could pick coral or I could pick blue. You know, all of these things, all of these things that matter, are gone, right? And so you're stripped down into into your very rawness. And then also you have needs, no matter how strong you are. And I was well-prepared. I, I was physically well-prepared. Um, your body still, you know, you, you're still lugging this, this, I guess it's a big suitcase. You're still pulling this body along with you. And no matter how you need help outside of your own body, I guess. And so I don't know. The physical becomes very unimportant on the Camino, which sounds counterintuitive because it sounds like a very physical, uh, you know, undertaking. But but for me, it wasn't. It was a very spiritual undertaking. You know, it just my body no longer mattered as much. And some of the atrocities that happened to my body uh, throughout my years just no longer mattered. I don't know. I, I. I'm a perfect bundle of energy and light. And I, I try as hard as I can to hold on to that even now. And, and, you know, sometimes I slip. I have to, I have to remind myself that, that I, I'm not a body. I am, I am energy. And that's, that sounds odd for people that, that know me from my pre-Camino life. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But do you think, do you think, Christine, that that kind of discovery is available to everyone? 
I do. I do. And, and maybe not, maybe you need more than one Camino, you know, uh, to get it or, or a Camino, I guess it doesn't have to be actually on the Camino, you know, maybe you need one more spiritual kind of, um, adventure or some way to frame it. I do think it's, I do think it's available, but you've got to, you got to open to it and you've got to want it. And I'm a slow learner. Um, and so I've actually done the Camino three times because, because I need reminding. I love the idea that the Camino is always there for me and it's where I'll go back to remember, to relearn. It's my school, I guess. Yeah. Wow. That's a great answer. So what if someone's listening and they're thinking, Hey, that sounds like what I need. What would you say to them? Go get a backpack, <laughs> find some shoes that, that fit well, and get to it. Can anyone do it? I think so. I, I think so because, um, because the Camino is very personal, you can design it uh, for yourself. You know, you don't, you don't have to do what everyone else is doing. Um, if you, I don't know. I think, yeah, I think anybody could do it. Um, I don't, I think it is without limits. You just have to decide what a Camino means to you in your own mind. And then don't, um, don't be, I don't know. Don't, don't be afraid. I've, I've read some wonderful stories, um, Camino stories about people with a variety of uh, life situations. Um, and um, someone I'd met a long time ago, uh, he hasn't written about it, but I met him a long time ago when I was in the military, um, Ivan Castro, uh, and he's blind. He was blind while on active duty. And I just saw some pictures on Facebook where he had completed it, and and he's blind, you know, and he also ran with the bulls in San Fermin. So, wow. um, I, yeah, he was, he was a big inspiration to me during my recovery. And, um, I just noticed the other day, my husband showed me, um, his Facebook page because my fr- husband and him are friends and where he had done it. And I thought, oh, of course, why, why wouldn't he have, you know, <laughs> I might so, ch- I ch- should try and track him down. You should. What a great he's amazing. story. Yeah. He's funny. Oh, my gosh, you would love him. Oh, great. Okay, well, we'll do that. But two questions I hope will provide for my listeners an insight into C.W. Lockhart, the author, pilgrim, and person. What would you say to yourself at 21 if you could whisper into your own ear? We'll say it's not that long ago, but what would you say to that 21-year-old? Oh, my gosh. Well, I would tell her to wear sunscreen. That would be important. I would tell her, and I would tell her to take more walks in the woods, to slow down. I, I pushed so hard and so fast at that age, you know, trying so hard to make it whatever it is. And um, I would tell her to slow down, to walk more to be gentle with her body, to be kinder. You know, you get into some habits sometimes when you're at that age and especially when you're trying so hard to 
to make a name in life, to, you know, work your way up through the ranks. Um, you pick up some habits that, that will not make you happy later on in your life. I said in the intro, a pilgrimage is walked by pilgrims. Are you still a pilgrim? Absolutely. Yes. In fact, I have it tattooed. <laughs> my first visible tattoo uh, says Peregrina on, on my arm. I said we're trying to leave behind the trappings of everyday life, those things that weigh us down. How do you think you rate on that spectrum? Are you, are you good at leaving those heavy things behind? Yes, absolutely. 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 The physical and, uh, you know, I, I still have to work at it, of course. So I shouldn't say, I shouldn't say, yes, it's so easy because it, it's not easy, but I have very good strategies now. And as long as I remember these strategies and say, okay, you know, this, this is how we live now. I do, I do a lot of mantras and reframing myself and a, a lot of reflection. Um, but yes, I think I'm good at it, but it's not without practice. And it's interesting that you should be someone who began the interview talking about shut-in. Yes. Being, <laughs> being so in control internally. Yes. That's, I find yes. that really interesting. And mm -hmm. I said pilgrims are walkers and talkers and thinkers and sharers and carers. How do you go as a walker now? Um, I, still, I still walk often. Um, I am, I'm, unfortunately, I'm suffering plantar fasciitis, which I wouldn't wish Ow. it on anyone. Yeah. So I've slowed down uh, recently in the last six months to try to repair. But typically, I, I try to walk five to eight kilometers um, a day. I have a, a Labrador and he's aging and both of us are trying to keep trying to keep <laughs> middle age uh, off. Uh, I, neither of us are doing very well, really, but um, <laughs> but we, we still we still walk, you know, all the time. And you uh, know, five, five kilometer, you know. Are you a talker? Yes, <laughs> you could probably tell. <laughs> <laughs> what about a thinker? Always thinking. I'm an academic by, by trade now, so um, I guess that doesn't necessarily mean I'm a thinker, but yes, yes. It's fun I'm to think. Thinking. It's fun to think, I think. Mm -hmm. What about a sharer? Yes, I think that uh, sharing the story was, was scary for me. Um, you've read it, so you know that there's some some darker parts yeah. to C.W. Lockhart. Yeah. And sharing some of that was uh, a little dicey for me, especially with my sons. I wasn't sure that I wanted my sons to know that much about me. And, and also, you know, some of the things, I, I wasn't always a very nice person either. Uh, that I have to work to be a nice person. Um, I'm, I don't love that about me, but I think that it's, that it's common for many of us. I have to try. I have to remind myself to be kind. My heart is there, but sometimes my actions don't follow. And so I wasn't sure that I wanted everyone to know those kinds of things about me, but, um, it's been worth it. I've met so many people who have identified with my feelings uh, and who I think are working on their own issues um, because of the sharing. So Yeah, and my next question is, are you a carer? But I can answer that because what you mm -hmm. just explained then in, in, a, in a way is summing up what your book provides for the reader. And it is, and it, they go through the transformation with you. 
And <laughs> hearing your voice right now is kind of interesting for me because I can hear now you telling that story to me. And, you know, when, when you read a book, you're reading it, you're trying to read it in, the, in, the, in the, the author's voice, but often, you know, you can't because you haven't heard that voice. Now I have. And so in your transformation, I've, I've finished the book thinking, wow, that's, it's, such, it's such a lovely story. And now hearing in your voice a kind of lightness, I think I'm so pleased for you. Thank you. Yeah. And and I think that you had, it took enormous guts for you to be adventurous. Um, And now can you feel that kind of, that coursing through your veins, that adventure? Yes. I haven't stopped traveling. Sure. Um, I have, uh, <laughs> I, I took a job, uh, well, I decided while I was on the Camino that I would absolutely take the job. I wasn't sure really up until the very end. And I've been traveling, um, for the last, I'm, I'm on my fifth year of traveling. So I haven't been back home again <laughs> and I threw away the old sofa and bought a new one. So when I do go home to visit, I'm not reminded of, of, <laughs> of being stuck, uh, so yeah, I think that I will I will forever wander now. What are you doing in Japan? I'm teaching. Um I'm teaching writing and uh and English, a little art history, um and I'm staying connected with the military community that I love. Wow. And a chance perhaps to walk the eighty eight temples? I hope so. <laughs> of course I've been scouting out trails. <laughs> and are there more books? In C.W. Lockhart? Yes. Yes. I, um, I, have, I have a couple rolling around now. Um, and I, I'm working on now, right now I'm working on the audiobook uh, for Blanket of Stars. Um, I, I love audiobooks partly because I'm, I'm always on the road traveling and I love to, to listen and learn while I drive and so I wanted to add to that knowledge repository for those of us who who learn while we're driving. <laughs> and so I'm working on an audiobook now. Uh, hopefully, I'll have it released um, in a couple of months. That's harder than I thought it would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's it takes a little bit of discipline too, doesn't it? Right, and I'm not. Um, I'm not. I, I shouldn't say I'm not tech savvy because surely I am enough to survive. But uh, there's editing on paper and then there's editing sound. And wow, what a difficult world I never knew anything about. <laughs> yes. Welcome to yeah. my world. Welcome to right, my world. Exactly. Well, I, exactly. So I hope. It's, it's something new to learn. Yeah, it's really exciting too. There's some great stuff around. It's awesome. <laughs> well, I hope there are many more books, adventures, stories, and I look forward to following all of them. You've been a brilliant Thank guest, you. Christine. So generous, so mm. sharing, so caring, thinking, and definitely a pilgrim. Thank you so much for your time. And can I just finish by saying Buen Camino? Oh, Buen Camino. Thank you so much. My guest this week, the author and pilgrim C.W. Lockhart, a storyteller. Her book, Blanket of Stars, Through Hiking the Camino de Santiago, is magic. And it's available via Amazon and online everywhere. Blanket of Stars, through hiking the Camino de Santiago by C.W. Lockhart. Special thanks to my friend Keith Hammond for recommending the book and the story. You know, 
This podcast is now going through the roof. We have figures some of the big commercial podcasts would die for. And it's because we all enjoy one another's company. We're pilgrims. We walk. We talk. We think. We share. We care. I'm just so proud to be your conduit. Remember, it was John Muir, the Scottish-American author and philosopher, who said more than a century ago, and into the forest I go, to lose my mind and find my soul. Until next week, I'm Dan Mullins. Buen Camino.